The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are starting to see some sunshine in the Midwest, which is a good thing, even if it's only for a day or two. Arlen Suderman is joining us with FC Stone and the water's receding as we look downriver, which is very good news for producers along the Missouri. It really is. And it's shifting now. The crest has shifted into the state of Missouri um and uh is is past us in kansas city and is starting to go down here i think we're down um, probably about a foot and a half or so from the from the peak and uh starting to go down so we can start the drying out process and the repair damage and the recovery process now well there is some um excitement this week not because we saw negative numbers in the corn and the beans, but the fact that we've got some interesting reports later this week, the quarterly stocks and the planting intentions report coming out on Friday morning. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously a lot of the discussion is about planting intentions and we're expecting it to show 90.4 million acres of corn and 87.7 million acres of soybeans. The USDA's number may come in there a little higher in the corn, a little lower on the soybeans than us because our survey was maybe a little bit later than theirs. Ours was as of March 15th. USDA's is really as of the 1st of March. So I think the influences there were a little more present maybe to... Uh, to have a little bit more acreage go to soybeans than what uh, during the U- USDA's survey period. Um, but uh, generally, that's the expectation. That's been kind of the focus of conversation, but really where the surprises that uh, could really impact the market really may come is in the stocks report. Uh, first of all, it's it's tough to imagine a bullish surprise in the stocks report or acreage report that would justify sustaining a rally in soybeans. Um, we could have an initial rally, but then I think reality would set in uh, soon thereafter. Uh, but on corn, where the funds are leaning so hard to the short side or the sold side, and it wouldn't take much to tip the balance uh, for in the corn fundamentals. There's not that much margin for error in the balance sheet. If you remove China from the world balance sheet, there's not much room there for maneuvering. And so if USDA would would happen to lose several hundred million bushels of corn as they've been known to do it could certainly uh certainly be bullish for the market particularly if china comes back and buys some more in relation to the china trade talks on the other hand uh, they could also find several hundred million more bushels as well we don't expect that at this point i guess that's what would make it surprise but uh, the market has already been pricing in bearish fundamentals so i'm not sure that that would do that much more to press us that much lower after the initial reaction as you look at um the weather that we have dealt with and obviously as we move forward and guys are anxious to get in the field i've spoke to many of them planting isn't gonna be in this first week of april next week as many has have always done I know it's not. It's going to be delayed. And, and certainly we have more time. The market is assuming that we have time to get the corn planted. It's not going to be planted at the optimum time. We know that. We've got a lot of field prep to do. Uh, there's going to be a number of fields that simply won't get planted this year because of the damage done to the flood. And they won't be able to get reparations done in time, let alone dry things out. 
uh, and some of that also depends on how many acres depends on rainfall from this point forward this spring. Um, but uh, the market for now is assuming that uh, we'll get enough acres planted in timely enough manner that that's not a factor. What it would take to change the market's mind, I think, would be a significant purchase by China. So I, I, I don't think the delays in themselves are going to be enough. You have to have two factors put together. And I think if we got two factors put together, then the market would respond differently. But right now, you got the computers continuing to trade the momentum, and uh, they'll continue to do so until something shocks them the other direction to change the charts. As you look at this quarterly stocks report, we move past that. How much pressure does it put on the next report because of a lot of that information not yet there? Well, this in excellent. The, this quarterly stocks report, as well as this planning intentions report, neither one should reflect what we've seen this month in the way of flooding because both of them are as of March 1st and all the factors that have gone into that. We have seen some demand destruction from ethanol plants not producing due to the flooding and the, and the poor roads and railroads. Uh, we've lost the livestock, obviously, due to this, the lost cattle. Uh, that demand destruction, that all comes in the June 30th report, both stocks and acreage. Uh, once we get past this report, then I think the focus is largely going to start going back to China and on what we see coming out as far as the weather forecast and being able to get the crops planted in a timely manner. Well, speaking of China, we know those talks are set to start tonight. So here we go, watching social media once again for any sort of hint. Yeah, watching tweets and headlines to see what happens. Uh, President Trump has made comments this week about how he thinks we're going to get an excellent trade deal. When I look at the makeup of who's heading up this team, it is the type of, of people on this team that seem to want to move toward a deal. So I'm cautiously optimistic uh, we can do that. Um, Peter Navarro, uh, his trade advisor, is not reportedly on this trip, and he's more of a hardliner. President Trump seems to insert him when he wants to put pressure on China. So his absence is notable and may help us move toward a deal. Is the markets playing a little bit on that at all? I think there's some cautious optimism there. Uh, the lower soybean prices, I think, is a realization that uh, the trade deal is probably not going to salvage the soybean fundamentals. We're seeing too much a drop-off in demand and too much production in the world. Um, but the fact that the corn and wheat prices have longer term been trending higher here over the past month is reflective of it. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We're going to take a look at the spillover pressure we've seen on the wheat complex. And, of course, look at all the happenings on the livestock side. You can guarantee we'll be talking a little bit of African swine fever as well. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us for part two from FC Stone. We look at the wheat complex and we know they've had some spillover pressure talked about coming from the corn and the soybeans. But you made an interesting comment that right now we are competitive when we look at the world market. Yeah, we really are. For a while, we were competitive on price, but not once you put freight into it. But now we're getting competitive even with freight into many of the markets out there, important buyers. And I think our sale to uh, Egypt this week of two cargoes of soft red winter wheat was indicative of that. And that's helping. We're competitive as long as we don't rally prices too hard too fast. 
uh, as we look at the competitive supplies or competing supplies, there still are some out there, um, but those are starting to tighten, and uh, we are expecting that uh, uh, we should see some some stronger exports continue to improve in April, May, and into June and July. Beyond that, we're going to be watching what happens in the Black Sea. Forecasters think that there's increased risks of heat and dryness in the summer in the Black Sea. That would be positive for corn, but it'd also be positive um, because of the, the damage it could do to spring wheat yields in that region, which is a significant competitor with us. So those are some factors we're going to be watching here in the weeks and months ahead. Is there any U.S. weather pressure that's going to be factored in as we know that there's a lot of snow into North Dakota at this point? Yeah, it's been amazing to see the melting that we've seen here over the last 10 days or so. We've had some days and we've seen as much as 8 inches of snow melt, although the average has largely been around 4 inches or so per day. Good melting day today, then things slow down as we go into the weekend. Next week uh, warms up again. We're expecting most areas of the northern plains to be pretty snow-free by the end of next week. Then it's the drying out process and trying to get uh, the fields back in the in the condition for planting again. So providing a little bit of support. As we look at the forecast for the, the central and southern plains, we are expecting a wet pattern for much of the spring to unfold, which could, in, in fact, for much of the winter wheat belt, for both hard red winter and soft red winter. So the the risk of disease is going to be higher this year for our wheat crop, and that's one of the factors we're going to have to be watching. Some cold temperatures coming down here near term, but uh, this wheat crop is so far behind normal uh, trade, really not too concerned about that right now. Let's jump over to the livestock side of the trade, Arlen, and we saw, I mean, the hogs have been on kind of a crazy wild ride. We saw some strong triple-digit losses going on today. African swine fever, can that still be? Or is that what you guys are seeing as part of that big influence today? Absolutely. That is a factor. That is supporting the nearby and the lean hogs um, with uh, both product prices and cash prices surging higher. Uh, When you look at the deferred contracts of hogs, though, traders are reacting negatively for some estimates that we could end up exporting 300,000 metric tons of pork to China this year. That's a significant quantity, but the market had priced in even more than that for those deferred contracts. Um, me personally, I think that 300000 is very conservative as well. We estimate that with hog feeding down, right now we're working with a number of third down 30% year on year. Uh, and there's some indications that number may even be higher than that. We estimate that the world needs to fill a gap of about 12 million, a little better than 12 million metric tons of meat. Uh, and there's simply not enough meat to import around the world, spare meat. So China, if it's going to subsidize in order to get enough for its people, it's going to have to become aggressive in bidding that away from markets here in the U.S. and Canada and Brazil and elsewhere. And uh, that's what we're going to be watching to see if they do. And the export numbers could be much larger at that point if that happens. We are starting to see some some loss numbers coming in from not only the blizzard, but from the flooding. And I know just in the western side of Nebraska, they had over 4,000 lost just in the Scotts Bluff area alone because of the, the blizzards. And as those numbers come in, are we going to start to get some attention at all on these future markets, especially on the feeder side? Yeah, I think that starts to become much more of a factor as we get a little bit later in the year. 
um, and we start to see the numbers that are available start to decline. Uh, and uh, so I think that's something that's really not been factored into the market yet to this point. Anything else we need to be watching on, on the cattle market as we head into the rest of the trading week? Boy, we need to see barbecue season get started here. Uh, the cool spring that we've had uh, certainly has delayed the start of that. We are set up well, though, with uh, a late Easter, which should help barbecue season. And then you go into Mother's Day and graduation. So uh, we should start to see that retail beef market really as retailers start stocking up for that. Uh, be supportive overall. And we certainly have lost a lot of poundage off of the market with the weather that we've had this year. And I think as pork prices go higher, we'll see that shift in the consumer to more beef as well. I'll do my part and uh, fire up the grill tonight. What's the best way for producers to get a hold of you, Arlen? INTLFCstone.com. We're over on Twitter at twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N. F is in Frank. F is in Frank, 101. Thanks so much, Arlen Suderman, joining us today. And thank you to Fontenelle and all the local Fontenelle dealers as well. The Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.